Does everybody know what time it is? <clears throat> it's time to get a bag of ice for my groin. That's right, it's grunt work. Here's some ice. Oh, thank you, thank you. Welcome to Groint Work, everybody. <laughs> the all-inclusive podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm Landon. I've read Peter Pan, but won't admit I cried at it. Solano, joined always by Truman. I've fallen and I can't get up. Caps. Oh man, I really have fallen. I've got the uh, microphone down here on the floor with me, with both <laughs> hands comically clutched to my groin, and not for the typical reason that both hands are clutched to my groin because yeah. that's just a solid place to put your hands. <laughs> Nature's oh. handle, they call it. I'm sorry, guys. Let's start. Let's can we can we just off to a hot start. Off to a off to a gross start. I got, <laughs> we apologize for how groiny this episode is going to be. It's our most. Uh, it's, it's true. It's the it's the season two crotch tacular. <laughs> oh man, Truman, it's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. How's your week been? Uh, it's been it's been good. You know, I've certainly I've not lifted anything too heavy. I've not pulled any uncomfortable <laughs> muscles. Yeah, that's a danger zone uh, of being in your thirties. Uh, I noticed that I pulled my back out a lot more often than I uh, think that I will. You you pull your back out of its holster. And, and... I have pulled my back out pulling a USB drive out of my computer. <laughs> was, was was it a, was it a fifty pound USB drive? <laughs> it was. Yeah, the one you bought in England. Uh, I find that I have I've thrown my back out a few times, and I'm I am I have not yet entered the twilight years of my thirties. I am still in my in my late twenties, but. I have a couple times thrown my back out, and the sad thing is, the times that I've done it, it's not because I'm lifting something heavy, it's because I am in my room, and I am <laughs> alone, and I am mimicking... Wait, where's this going? I know, I know. Go, <laughs> bear with me, bear with me, guys. Uh, parental advisory. No, but I will be like, I, for whatever reason, I will be working through like an action scene I'm trying to write in a script in my head, and I will be like, oh, and then the person gets shot, and they fly back like that, and then I will like jerk my arm <laughs> You're back, mimicking it, yeah, as though I've been, yeah, shot by this invisible sniper in my story, and then I will, and then I'll be like, oh god, oh, and then I've pulled my back for three days because <laughs> I am, I am basically a little boy uh, cowboying around his own bedroom. <laughs> uh, well, better cowboying than Peter Panning. I, certainly, yeah, I would need, well, I would need a a very intricate harness and b the ceiling in my bed bedroom is maybe four feet above the floor so it would be a very small <laughs> harness too oh my god uh your ceiling's only four feet man you're, do you live in like the being john melkovich building i i'm i'm so glad you asked landon because as a matter of fact i do live in that exact place and had you not asked if i lived in that place from being john malkovich i would have made that joke and gotten all the goofer credit for it <laughs> Uh, but how, how have you been? How has uh, how has your week been? Have you uh, pulled anything? <laughs> just some uh, shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know you have to tell me. I hope you have some good shenanigans. On uh, I don't have any about. good shenanigans. But speaking of shenanigans, oh okay. Um, I was on a YouTube rabbit hole oh. one night. Yes, I don't know how, what led me to this, but there's a video out there that I couldn't help but watch. <laughs> which was uh was i guess sexy girls react to <laughs> thor ragnarok oh i wish thor ragnarok in theaters now <laughs> two, two weeks in a row still in theaters <laughs> no it was the cat in the hat starring mike myers oh yes that classic um, of modern cinema that okay so I, the title is like the cat in the hat uh increases the speed by five percent every time something creepy or weird happens oh god oh man and it was the whole movie in this one clip, YouTube clip, that was 15 minutes long. 
what's their rubric for something creepy? Like, like that seems like, hey, that movie seems like a target-rich environment for oh, yes. creepy stuff, but yes. also everyone perceives creepy differently. Well, creepy, like, pedophilic, I think, was mm-hmm. uh, what they were going for there. Um, but this leads me to two points. One, um, I did the math. Yeah. The entirety of Home Improvement is about 75 hours long. Okay. Uh, all all tw- 203 episodes. Yes. Uh, roughly. Yeah. <laughs> how how long do you think it would be if it increased by 5% every time there's a grunt? Oh, geez. Well, given that in season one we had, what, oh, 359 grunts? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that it would probably run to... Okay, so in, the speed increases by 5%? Yes. I would say that, that the entirety of Home Improvement would maybe take an hour. Oh, if it increased wow. for every guy, yeah. because I mean, you look at by, oh, yeah, because okay. it grows exponentially. That's the, the, how the, math works, right? Chris, why are you asking me? You set yourself. Do we want to just have a third host who just we, knows how to do math? We need to have a uh, a sister podcast that's about math, so that we could just call in on that. Yeah, <laughs> we need an ombudsman who, who does math and will just write into us, yes. correcting all of our equations. And that could be my mom because that's oh, how she corrected my math homework back in the day too. <laughs> I think the the episode that would really do it is the Christmas episode last season, oh, where there's yeah. 55 grunts. So 55 times five uh, is a lot. Oh man! <laughs> you know, we I'm should sm- have. Let me let me call up our arms husband. Your your that's a word I've never in my life been able to say. Bob's husband. Bob's husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm To be fair, I'm not sure I'm saying it correctly either. I'm just selling it. Uh, that's like fair. I, like you I know, know what? what I'm talking about. That's, that's how I pre- uh, approach those words. It's just say them incorrectly until someone corrects you, and then go. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, but you got to say it in that voice. In that voice. Thank I'm... you for correcting me. It's it's kind of halfway Professor Farnsworth and halfway Professor Frank from The Simpsons. <laughs> good news, everybody. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to the Impression Cast, uh, where we do impressions instead of okay. talking about groins. But here's here's the second part of this cat in the hat. Oh, there's thing. more cat in the hat. Stuff. There's only there's one bit of trivia that I learned while looking up uh, cat in the hat IMDb trivia facts. Um, instead of Mike Myers, yes. Oh no! Yes. No. Your face. Oh. <laughs> the, all the blood just drained out of Truman's face, <laughs> and it looked like someone crushed his soul. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is like a transition right now. You're like, this is an audio transition. Go on, go on. <laughs> Before Mike Myers was cast, the person originally slated to play the Cat in the Hat was Mr. Tim Allen. Uh, <laughs> like, like that's that movie's creepy as is. Yes, and. It's like if if Tim Allen was in both the Cat in the Hat and the Shaggy Dog. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Do you think that that maybe he didn't get the Cat in the Hat and then he got on the phone with his agent and was like, "Listen, my career's not going to take off and it's going to play a really creepy, <laughs> uncanny valley animal in a kids movie." And they're like, "Okay, okay, we got you this movie that I think Don Knotts was in in the '60s." And it was like, "Okay, fine, the Shaggy <laughs> right, Dog, right, right. let's do it." Um, yeah, I don't know what movie came out uh, of Tim Allen's instead of that, but um, and honestly, the Santa, probably a Christmas movie. The Santa Claus <laughs> is kind of a kind of a creepy transition. Yeah, I mean, like that's a creepy, like him turning into Santa. Yeah, I would say that there's probably more creepiness in the third one where Jack Martin Short plays Jack Frost. And, oh, right. Uh, I think it becomes more family friendly, Disney, you know, Shaggy Dogish. So so wait it, the the movie about a man being bamboozled into signing a contract that makes him Santa Claus wasn't family friendly for the first two installments. <laughs> I mean it was, but it you know there was a more ubiquitous audience for family films then. But they, they so they they decided with the third installment, it's like no, we really need to focus this this series that 
at its heart is about a guy trapped in a legal contract he can't get out of. We need to focus <laughs> it even more on the children. Yeah, well, yeah, I think, like, by inserting, uh, you know, getting hit in the groin sound effects and, like, boing, groins. Boing, you know, yeah. <laughs> groins. They, they follow us around. <laughs> Just like uh, mother-in-law jokes on this episode. Seriously, like, they... Our mother-in-law jokes, crowned on this one, is three. Was it three? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, right. It goes to three by the end. Yeah. Yeah, he's really after not just his own mother-in-law, but also the very institution of mothers-in-law. Yeah. (laughs) Ugh, God. Oh, my God. Um, But why don't don't you give us a little synopsis of this uh, week's episode? People know, so people know what we're talking about. What if I didn't? Uh, (laughs) What if I, like, how would you react if I just went on strike right now? Um... Um, well, you don't have to worry about that because I'm going to do my job. Okay, great. But I just want you to think that if you ever don't value me properly, <laughs> I will not read the synopsis and I will instead make you do it like you do half the time anyway. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. So when Tim feels intimidated by the young, strapping, and muscular leads in Jill's romance novels, he tries to compensate by carrying a heavy crate full of books out to the garage and pulls his groin in the process. Now, despite his injured groin and pride, Tim tries to hide his condition from Jill, even though he's in too much pain to so much as lift anything heavy, which makes for some awkward situations on the set of Tool Time and around the house when Jill tries to initiate a romantic moment. Ultimately, Wilson helps Tim realize that he injured himself because he was peacocking for Jill. Thanks, Coolbot. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Trying to prove that he's still tough and capable, even though that's not why she loves him. Uh, in the end, Tim and Jill make up... Not that this is a shock. I mean, why even Why even tell you? You, yeah. you knew it happened. Uh, meanwhile, Randy has been cast as Peter Pan in the school play, which is interesting because like one episode ago, he wanted to be a star athlete. But hey, who's keeping score except us? To save him the indignity of having to prance around the auditorium, Tim builds a pulley system and harness so that Randy can fly in his role as Peter Pan. But this turns out to have disastrous results when Tim is trying to test it out. And that's what happened. And... That episode is called... Oh, that episode is called... Let me guess, let me guess. Um, A Groin in Time Saves Nine. <laughs> I is, love that. This is my new favorite segment yeah. on the show. What's uh, it called? It's called Groin Pains. Uh, okay, th- these last two are stinkers. Well, I think it, this one's a play on Growing Pains. But it's called Groin Pains. Groin Pains. But it's just called Groin Pains? Groin Pains. So if you don't read it as a pun on grow- Growing Pains, it just reads Groin Pains. <laughs> just flat out. So what, what happens to Tim in this one? Yeah, ah, he has Groin Pains. And the last one was called... <laughs> Uh, overactive glance. Okay, so these, this just, the last two episodes just read like a list, the list of symptoms in a pharmaceutical <laughs> commercial. You know, you know uh, patients may experience groin pains and overacting glances. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, there's, there are the cameras panning over like people sitting in bathtubs looking at the sunset <laughs> and like playing touch football in the field. Oh my god. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a really crotchy episode. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. What did you think? Did you have? Did you yeah, have fun? The, yeah. This was a pretty enjoyable episode. Um, I think that I, they they're be, they've been giving Tim more uh, physical comedy. Uh, yeah, which is kind of interesting. And the episodes to to use, I guess, were four in in at this yeah, point. Yeah, episode four, okay. season two. So I would say that this is grunt work. The podcast, <laughs> if you don't know where you are, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's just gr- turning in. <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> uh, I've noticed that this season so far, we have yet to have an episode where things just kind of happen. Like, so far, oh, yeah, every yeah. episode has had a beginning, middle, end, yes. arcs, A-plots, Yeah, there's B-plots. no flying sauces or uh, 
uh, what was the other big one from last season? I don't know. But uh, yeah, look who's right. not talking. Yeah, right. Stuff like that. I don't know. So uh, part of me is happy that the show, I mean, I feel like the show is using our time better. I mean, every mm-hmm. episode now, I, I feel like we're better uh, taken on more of a thrill ride, yeah. as it were, a comedy ride, <laughs> at least. Uh, and at the same time, yeah, and at the same time, part of me almost misses it, but I know I complained about those episodes last oh, season. Oh, I'm sure so. we'll get many more of those. We're only four episodes into the season, so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm noticing a definite newfound tightness and attitude to the show that it yeah, did not have before. but they're also embracing this sort of, like, cartoony sensibility, which leads me to believe, especially knowing that we have, uh, you know, some very strange episodes down <laughs> the pipeline, that uh, they're going to make plenty of room for these uh, kind of conceptual episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we have a claymation Christmas coming yeah. up. I shouldn't. I shouldn't get too cocky here. <laughs> so yeah. So do you want to like yeah. want to put on our, our swimming caps and like and bounce on the diving board for a while and then do a deep dive? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would prefer to kind of dip my toe in first and uh, slowly eke my way That's, in and you, like you gotta get go all really once. really freezing uh, around my waist while mm-hmm. I'm like descending into the thing and then maybe back out for a yeah, second, go into the hot tub and then uh, warm back up and then make it even worse when I get back into the pool. Yeah. Uh, and then just decide not to go swimming at all. So good oh. luck with this episode. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, folks, well, join us in four hours once that process is done with. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so the, it seems to be the, um, the, new, the new norm is that we have a cold open on Tool Time specifically. Well, except last episode wasn't on... It was. The cold open was not on Tool Time. In overactive glance, you mean? In overactive glance, yeah, it's it's him coming in from the garage being all sweaty and then, having, and then gluing his hands together for the boys. You know what? You're right. And I... Apologize. Uh, you know, you're the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Except, except that, you know, you actually are the strongest link because you can remember the names of every episode and all of the child actors on the show. Uh, and all of the background actors. But yeah. we start, we, this is true to the form of the other three of the four yeah, episodes. Right. This is them on the set of Tool Time. Yes. Uh, and they are about to do a, um, jackhammer bit uh and i guess they're talking about safety they're putting um earmuffs on and talking about earmuffs (laughs) it's cold outside they're putting little earmuffs on yeah yeah Uh, big big fluffy fuzzy ones the heater doesn't work in the tool time uh studio this week (laughs) because everyone's trapped inside the doors are iced shut what will happen when they go stir crazy that's the halloween episode i'm waiting for They have to eat the jack-o'-lanterns. Al Borland really does go full Jack Torrance in that episode. Um, but, but it's Tim who gets, who gets axed in the chest. Yes. Again, spoilers it, for the show. It's even before Al really goes crazy. He's just so fed up with Tim. That happens in the first five minutes, and then the rest of it is Al just coming to terms with the fact that he yes. killed Tim. And it's actually a, kind of a coming-of-age story. Actually, speaking of uh, the beginning of an episode or whatever... Let's talk about the first 25 seconds of this episode and go directly into the grunt count. Oh my god, you guys. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is um, the girl from Clueless uh, stepping in for me, evidently, for a moment. Okay. Ermagerd, guys. <laughs> you'll understand why we're building this up so much. This episode has the second highest grunt count of any episode we've Whoa, done. Whoa, really? It's done 32, and I'm going to say the highest was was the Christmas episode... Last year, which had last year, last which season. was an anomaly because he sings the grunts. Yeah, and then they repeat another yeah, take of him. So, right. so like that was fifty five. If we top fifty five, I'll be surprised. These are just straight up organic grunts. These, if it, it's getting harder for me to count these grunts, yeah, we've yeah. had to, the last two episodes. We've had to stop and go back a lot. In the first twenty five seconds of this episode, Tim grunts sixteen times. Twenty five seconds that's so the gps on that is is it's a it's a little more than one per or a little less than one per second it's a lot it's, yeah it's a lot of grunting 
In the first 15 seconds, the total grunt count for this episode is 32. That's crazy. But in the first... So so I will remind you, last season, most episodes averaged between 7 and 10 grunts. Well, I thought uh, it was like between 12 and 17. Uh, That's what we said on our spectacular. Oh, I guess... Okay, well... That was the GPE. That was the that GPE. That was what okay. you can expect. Yeah, okay. So, so yes. All right. Okay. That was my bad. 12... Uh, I think it was 12.5 average grunts okay. per episode. All right, we'll go with that. Yeah, 12 and a half average grunts per episode. This is what you guys tune in for. It's hearing us <laughs> argue about our previous math that we've done. But in the well, first... We've done the math work. That's <laughs> a lot of work. In in the first 25 seconds, they outgrunted their average per episode grunt in the entire first season. Jesus. And again, let's not forget that episode one of this very season had our lowest ever grunt count. Yeah. I tried to give it one grunt. I later my own methods proved that that was wrong, and I had to redact the grunt. So th- this this season is all over the board. Yeah. We have had in the space of four episodes our lowest ever grunt total and our second highest ever grunt total. Yeah, I hope you guys are as excited about this as I am. I mean, you were worried that season two we would start to lose steam and uh, uh, question whether or not that uh, we'd be able to find new ways to make this interesting. Uh, they're really challenging you here. They're they're challenging me. He, there are times he is grunting faster than I can push the key on my keyboard that I'm <laughs> using to record the number of grunts. I'm going to call it now that the grunts are going to uh, usurp the uh, transitions for you losing your mind. Oh, man. There's so many things competing to make me go crazy on this show. <laughs> I really, I mean, it's it's the mouth of madness yeah. uh, is just swallowing me whole. Starring Sam Neill, which... Uh, which is what Tim dressed like in... No Better Blues. Yeah, and, and on episode two, which had, I believe, three grunts in it. Uh, you're, you're the grunt guy. Yeah, well, you're the memory guy. Oh, that, no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, let's go back to the show. Let's go back to the first three seconds 32. of the show. That's crazy, though. So, what we get uh, in this first scene, there's not a whole lot going on here. Uh, it has nothing really even to do with the narrative. Though, how often do you hear a, nail, uh, a Neil Sedaka joke? I, I really, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're working with a big jackhammer on set. And Tim's whole first line is like, they say breaking up's hard to do, but Neil Sadaka never heard of the Binford whatever, whatever, which I guess... Jackhammer, yeah. Which breaks up concrete really easily. I, that's I guess what, that's, that's what jackhammers do. Uh, yes. Although imagine, okay, I just thought of, I thought of like an action hero whose name is just Jack Hammer. I, <laughs> well, there's one, there's a, a, a old detective named Mike Hammer. Mike Hammer? Mike Hammer. I feel like they missed out by not calling him Jack Hammer. Mike Hammer, star of the movie Kiss Me Deadly... Also starring Jack alum. Oh, it, it all comes back around to a dude with a screwy eye. <laughs> but he has many qualities aside from his eye. Let's yes. not focus on that. <laughs> so the whole the whole gag with the jackhammer is that they talk about how you need to have ear protection. Mm. Tim goes through a series of... of uh, his cue cards. Yeah. yeah, which is the second cue card gag we've gone. Do you want to... Uh, well, we've gotten a few, I think. I don't think it's the second, but it is like the they've perfected the art of the setup punchline mm. of the things where he has three cue cards and the third one's the joke so he's going through uh the different uh, tools that have decibels that like i think he said 75 decibels is like the yeah. safe level so mm-hmm. anything above that you need the hearing protection yeah and so he goes at 100 decibels is the table saw and, and it goes Boo! yeah they had the sound effects again we're getting many more sound effects in this yeah. season yeah uh and then he goes to the next one and at 150 decibels is the whatever thing and then and then at this point landon looks at me and says third one is your nagging wife <laughs> and tim says and tim says that it's uh the, the at 200 at a 
ear piercing, ear piercing, uh, two hundred decibels. It's the mother-in-law, and uh, it's like some sort of Victorian picture of a woman. Well, bl- black and white, like opera, like yeah. I, like, I really, honestly thought that they were going to do that opera transition <laughs> into I, the opening three credits. I would have jumped out the window. <laughs> Uh, no, but it's a black and white, like, you know, opera lady wearing the, wearing the horns. Yeah. And then the, then the sound effect is like, <laughs> and then Tim makes the cutoff motion. and just goes, yeah. <laughs> and, and then he goes, sorry, Nana. <laughs> that's, one, that's the first mother-in-law joke. One here. mother-in-law joke. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. So there really isn't too much to this opening scene. It well, goes into the, the theme song. What? Well, the, I want to talk about the bit that they do. Oh, actually. okay. So, go for it, man. So, how, you know, once they've once they've established loud things are loud, you need to put on your ear protections. They both put on their earmuffs yeah. or their ear plug. The, the ear, <laughs> they're they're just nicely knitted earmuffs. I think they still count as earmuffs, but they're like you know they're yeah, ear protection, ear protection things. So they both put them on. Tim goes over to the jackhammer. Is like, okay, Al, hit the hit the power switch for my jackhammer. <laughs> and so Al, though he can't hear this because he has put on the the ear protectors, and Al has and his back is to Tim, and he's seemingly entered a fugue state where he's forgotten that he's on on camera yeah. doing a thing so he just starts like he pulls out his tape measure and is like just measuring the d- work desk he's measuring uh, some sort of two by four that he's like making marks on i i guess but he just like he com- he puts on the earmuffs and just immediately his brain like resets back to like oh i've got to take care of these tasks not- <laughs> right. presumably they blocked or rehearsed this well i guess with these producers maybe yeah, they you know, jerry jerry's like he he sets up chaos yeah <laughs> yeah he, he or- orchestrated chaos i think is uh jerry's um, way of operating. Yeah, Jerry and LaFonda, yeah. the, the producers, yes. Modus operandi. But, yeah, so then Tim makes a whole bunch of jokes at Al's expense that Al seemingly can't hear until he unexpectedly turns on the jackhammer, and yeah. maybe he could hear it all along. Yeah, do you think he did? I mean, it's never really explained, but... He probably could, I don't know. I, I Going into this, I thought we would foster more discussion out of this jackhammer bit, but quite honestly, it's not one of the best goofs they've done. Uh, no, it was alright. It was, you know, I, I don't feel like any of these cold open... Jokes, the like punchline to these cold opens have been particularly strong. We had the flamethrower that led into that fire transition. <laughs> that was swoof. I don't remember what the second episode was, but then the last episode was uh, him running at the camera. We had the uvula transition. I still think that him gluing his hands together like that was a yeah. strong start just because I like yeah. how it played in through the episode. But I definitely did not approve of the uvula transition. <laughs> I did not approve Yula of the uvula oh, transition. Lord. Just go with it, Landon. <laughs> we have six more seasons of this shit. Oh, you have to get no. used to the dad jokes. Oh, no. Um, yeah, and then it goes into the theme song, and we're into the episode. That, yes. So that cold open plays zero part in this narrative. Yeah, it has really nothing to do about it, uh, but we man- we've we still managed to get to about 23 minutes just plain talking about the cold open. Yeah. <laughs> good Lord. Good for us. Um, so we go home, and uh, Jill has uh, found a trunk. Now, do we want to... <laughs> well... I pointed to this trunk right away. It may not be the same trunk, because it seems a lot smaller. It does seem like a different trunk. It's not a trunk large enough to, say, hold an elderly magician who was knighted (laughs) for some reason. But it looks a lot like the Sir Larry trunk. It does look like the Sir Larry trunk. And it's filled with books that Jill is trying to go through and get rid of. And And maybe Sir Larry buried beneath them. This is is how Randy has hidden the body. He's piled in all their old romance novels on top. (laughs) Or maybe Randy's some sort of, like, a... into the black arts, and he's trapped Sir Larry inside a book. Oh, that's good. That's he's, like he's trapped into a narrative, much like the video game Mist. Oh, there you go. You, you there's books in it, and you can get trapped in them. And you can read it. All that, of the images are static. That game really annoyed me because I guess the answer to the whole mystery was right where you start. 
Like, all you, you don't have to go through the game. You can just turn to your left and hit a button and open the thing <laughs> that gives you the answer. Uh, but you have to go through the whole game to find that out. Wow. It's really a commentary on life, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of is. Sometimes the things we need most are right where we are. Uh, but I have to ask you a question, if you had a keen eye for the production design here. Yeah. Did you happen to notice when Jill was taking books out of the trunk and putting them on the shelf, what was uh, conspicuously missing from their entertainment system? Uh, maybe not a big stereo? <laughs> yeah. Really? It was replaced by uh, Britannica. Like an Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, you mean an analog internet? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. One of those, one of those Wikipedia print editions with fewer <laughs> mistakes and and way worse hyperlinks. Yes. Uh, interesting. Well, and the, the Britannica comes into play later in the episode, so because that's good foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Jill uh, is also going through these, and Tim finds uh, some romance novels. A bunch of her, a bunch of her supermarket kind of bodice rippers, Harlequin romance novels, <laughs> which she claims are really well written. And then, t- and then Tim begins reading from one in a wonderful voice. He that- pulls out his best Thor impression, <laughs> which was kind of great. Thor Ragnarok coming to theaters now. <laughs> he pulls it out. He's like Jonathan lifted the thing, and his sinewy muscles busted through his biceps. Uh, wow, that sounds painful. This is body <laughs> horror or something. This is uh, Hellraiser. <laughs> Hellraiser, a romance novel. Yeah, this is this is John Carpenter's uh, John Carpenter's Harlequin romance, <laughs> the thing. But it's nope. We're not going to go no, with no, the, the, the dongle joke. The thing from another the thing from between my legs. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh man! But <clears throat> very quickly into the scene, we also learn that uh, Randy comes home and he's excited. He's got the lead in a play. And that play is Peter Pan, which isn't really a surprise because we talked about this. In the yes, sun, but yeah, he's got the lead in the play. He's we, got the lead as Peter Pan, um, which I, I, what I is interesting comparing last episode to this episode, which I'm sure the producers and writers didn't anticipate people doing. <laughs> but uh, he fails miserably at at sports. Yes, um, which we kind of. Uh, Talked about it hurting his social status, yeah. uh, failing at something. Yeah. So it makes sense that he would um, go and seek out the thing that he could uh, excel at. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a normal thing. I'm really trying to shoehorn the, the psychopathic thing in here. but Well, look, one of history's most infamous murderers, uh, the man who shot our greatest president, Abraham Lincoln, was an actor. Did he ever play Peter Pan? Uh, I don't know because I think Peter Pan wasn't written until the 1880s and Lincoln Fair. was shot in 1865. Yeah. Huge theater and Civil War history burn on you, Landon. <laughs> oh, get some. What up now? And I just backflip onto my motorcycle with beautiful girls and ride away. Uh, but no, I, I think that, I mean, there's got to be some serial killers who were actors too. I mean, yeah. I mean. Well, you could say any psychopath is an actor because they are all pretending and learning uh, mimicking behavior. True, true, very true. And many actors play serial killers, and that would be the perfect cover to be a serial killer is to be playing one on TV. Oh, yes. Probably not the perfect cover, honestly. You might actually be the first one people look to. <laughs> Difficult to impress a jury. Um, Tim, reading about all these sinewy, muscly guys in Jill's books, yeah. uh, is suddenly kind of kind of put on the defensive, and so he hoists the, the trunk full of books himself to carry out to the garage. Yeah. And walking through the house, he's like, oh, it's nothing. Oh, 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 it's just fine. It's yeah. great. And then as soon as he gets into the garage, he is in massive pain because he has pulled a muscle yeah. in his groin. And Randy... Mark. Randy, Mark is sitting there yeah. on the chassis of the hot rod, which now has a steering wheel on and it. And the chassis painted. Oh, yes. True. True. Yeah. It might have had wheels on it, too. I didn't... I think it had wheels. It yeah. wasn't up on blocks. Yeah. Yeah. 
but so then Mark sees him in there clutching his groin, and uh, and Tim explains that he's suffering from man pain. Yeah, he, the way he says it, it's like, yeah, he says, like, "Dad, Dad, are you okay?" And Tim. Tim goes, I pulled my groin! Like, he says... <laughs> he got real in Mark's face, like, in an almost angry uh, tone. He gets real mad at Mark in this episode. He gets, <laughs> uh, like, I'd be crying if he spoke to me the way he spoke to Mark yeah. a couple times. Uh, but, yeah, so he's pulled his groin! <laughs> and he's trying to hide his, quote-unquote, man pain yeah. from Jill uh, because he wants to live up to her expectations. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, a couple... I actually thought that that... Uh, moment because mark's saying like well why don't you tell mom she's i always go to her when i hurt myself Mm -hmm. and i really thought it was leading to a kiss it and make it better (laughs) joke (laughs) because you know what i know that that's a little racy but this show has surprised me with many erection jokes already (laughs) and there's never want to be surprised well better to be surprised by an erection joke than just a regular erection (laughs) uh yet that happens to me every morning (laughs) And and most days in middle school when I had to go do a <laughs> math problem on the chalkboard. That's why I really don't like math, guys. Uh, I'm just kidding. We had whiteboards. Um, so, yeah, I think they probably... I, I guarantee you they did that joke on set and mm. it just didn't make it into the final cut. Oh, yeah, it had they, to. They, they did like two versions of the scene to see yeah. what they could get past Disney censors. <laughs> God, when is the unrated uh, DVD set of <laughs> Home Improvement going to come out? <laughs> yeah, I would love to see the cover for the for the unrated Too Hot for TV <laughs> Home Improvement oh my God. final cut, all eight discs. Can't wait for these racy John Pasquin uh, DVD commentaries. Or <laughs> <laughs> they're just drunk the whole time talking about it. <laughs> Uh, I do want to mention uh, two things from uh, right before the garage part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we get <laughs> this feels like real low hanging uh, fruit, which I know is a term we use a lot. But yeah, uh, well, good we, we have a lot C. of mother. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of mother in law jokes. We also have a meatloaf slash burnt uh, dinner <laughs> joke, which it just feels like like pretty easy. Make fun of your wife. Yeah, and also. Jokes. You know, sure, a make fun of your wife joke, hey man, go for it. Make fun of your wife who does all the cooking yeah, for your family, right. short of when you're grilling things or making your root and toot and chili. Yeah. Like, I, you know, hey man, you have complaints about the meatloaf, maybe make your own meatloaf, Tim. Yeah, How about exactly. that? How about pull your groin lifting up a, a pound of meat to yeah. put into the loaf? Well, it's a lot to ask for him, because he would do anything for love, but he we wouldn't won't do, do that. that. <sighs> High five. High five. Uh, yeah, thank you for narrating what we just... <laughs> They'd hear that slap and that note of approval in our voice, and they wouldn't know what it was otherwise. Um, we didn't just, like, slap our butts together or something. The other thing I want to mention is that uh, Jill is so excited that Randy has got the lead in this part, or lead in this uh, play, mm-hmm. that uh, she's like, it's so great to finally have a kid who appreciates culture. Uh, and Randy kind of foo-foos any uh, semblance of um, being a normal human being away, and purely just says... Plus, I get to miss social studies for uh, a month. For a month, I'm gonna. For, he does say for a month. He says for a month. I have a question. At the end of this episode, they come back from the play. This, and I was like, that was the shortest rehearsal time for any play ever. D- Tim has had a pulled. Hey, it's been a month of grievous injury for Tim <laughs> to his <laughs> groin. Right. Like, because Tim, <laughs> Tim's condition deteriorates throughout this show, oh and in your head, it's kind of like you think it's a normal time frame of like two to three days per episode. Yeah. But no, he so he's going to miss social studies for a month to practice for this play. But in the course of a month, Tim enters his groin, builds a pulley system, a fully functioning pulley system yeah. for the play, and then they do the play. 
And also, one month of rehearsal time for a school play? That's <laughs> kind of quick. That is, yeah, super long. But you know what? This actually comes into a question I had with something else. So maybe this episode, so maybe the start of the season started in like June, mm-hmm. and we didn't know it, because uh, they don't really draw attention to the season, uh, because there's a moment when we see the Tool Time audience, and they are wearing tank tops and the brightest summer clothes you can yeah, find yeah uh and i'm like it is october in michigan <laughs> no one is going around wearing a neon tank top dude um but if it if this does take place over a month and it you know takes place in august and now we're at the end of september you know at the end of the episode maybe that makes more sense think about this it, when tim is on the set of tool time and then when he's home after tool time is talking to Jill. He says, hey, Jill, yesterday when I lifted that big trunk, dot, dot, dot. So he, like, as of, like, halfway through the episode, it's only been two days. And then by the end of the episode, it's been a month. <laughs> so we're sk- Like, maybe all the other episodes take place in between the middle and the end of this episode. So you're saying... <laughs> you're saying that he's had a groin injury over the last three episodes and we didn't know it. Maybe so. Mm. Maybe he hit it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to go back and rewatch. Check the tapes. Um... Uh, yeah, but that's kind of that's kind of it for this opening uh, bit. The context sets up uh, everything for the show. Yeah, that we go true. Yeah. into the behind the scenes of Tool Time, where we get uh, a Lisa appearance. Yes, our our biggest Lisa appearance of yeah. the year, probably. Uh, and we we posed last week that maybe she was knocked off. Yeah. Um, by uh, Kiki Kiki, the sleeper agent who becomes Heidi the tool woman to replace her uh, in this whole uh, government conspiracy is Alice secret agent uh, theory we have <laughs> this whole government conspiracy to infiltrate a basic cable tool show <laughs> which my question now is uh, was it the real Lisa I think it was the real Lisa I'd know 20 mm. something Pamela Anderson just about yeah. anywhere and well do you think that they got a look alike Saddam had a lot of lookalikes. Yes, Saddam did have a lot of lookalikes. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Lisa has access to the same resources as the then president of Iraq? No, 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 no. I'm saying that they've the the whatever the agency is that yeah. uh, Al works for and may it be defecting from. Yeah. That Heidi for certain works for. Yeah. Maybe they've knocked her off, knocked off Lisa, and they've replaced her. The agency has the access to those resources and has uh, replaced her with a, a clone or a double. Landon, that is utter nonsense. <laughs> what if they look? I of course Al is a Russian spy, and of course uh, Kiki slash Heidi is a new sleeper agent being inserted into the situation. But if they're putting in a sleeper agent, Landon, why would they go to the trouble of killing and then replacing Lisa with a clone? Okay, fair. So what that tells me then is that Lisa's days are numbered, and we have to uh, keep a keen eye out for her well-being. Yes. Call any hotlines. If you see something, say something. Yes, absolutely. I will predict that we will probably lose track of Lisa entirely sometime around the end of season two, beginning of season three. (laughs) That's just my guess. Okay. But again, if I see anything, I will say everything. There wasn't much that happened in the back scene scene here, but walk us through it. So we're backstage at tool time, and and Tim and Al are getting ready, and Tim has taken his pants off because he's got like a groin brace on. Yeah, he's a uh, he's wrapped it in uh, gauze. Yeah, and so he he says to Al, he's taking his pants off, like Al, can you can you help me with something? And and Al says, that's not part of my job description, Tim. <laughs> uh, but he asks Al to just keep an eye out while he checks on his, uh, I guess, groin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the the butterfly clip had uh, come undone. Oh, I see, I yeah. see. 
And he says to Al at one point, ever feel like your whole groin is on fire? And Al just goes, every night, Tim. <laughs> which, which I want your interpretation of that. Yeah. What what do you think Al meant by that? I think Al means that he is a red-blooded man with red-blooded needs and just the coursing, uh, <laughs> coursing urges of, of needs to procreate with okay. with a you know with a greta post type ah okay uh, or so keep him awake at night in his one bedroom apartment he he hasn't been uh promiscuous out on the the streets under the neon lights uh <laughs> getting some sort of really bad std i you know uh <laughs> that he's trying to get rid of well maybe i mean i don't know james bond was a spy and he had sex with a lot of women so maybe <laughs> that was the case i guess i prefer to think of it as Al being one of those unfortunate bachelors who had existed in a time before internet pornography came to save us all. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, it could well be. I, I mean, we we saw how drunk and shwasty he got at, <laughs> yes. at Mike's Tavern. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he went home with one of the K&B construction guys after <laughs> that and, and brought something back with him. Oh, my God. I, I still question Pete. Uh, I think you think him and Dwayne kind of have something going, but they're and, not in this episode. Well, no, they're not. And you know what? Honestly, I don't think Al is gay, even though he could be like a gay icon yeah. in a way. But I could definitely see him being bi. You yeah, know, why and not? just kind of experimenting with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm into that. Um, there's something else I noticed in this scene. Something else you noticed? Oh, something else. Um, the the uh construction the like you get to see behind the you know the set so you yeah. get the like open wall look there is a lot of graffiti on the wall did you see that why do we notice all the same things in every episode yeah the one that said basic cable rules or something <laughs> cable access rules yeah did you read the one below it no i didn't i was too focused on that one <laughs> bob vila was here oh my god <laughs> Now, did Bob Vila write that, or did someone else on set write that just to commemorate the occasion? <laughs> it was probably Al. <laughs> just to be, yeah. It was probably Bob and Al Vila did it together while scampering around the set <laughs> after hours, making memories and drinking Coors Light. Oh my god, I love it. Um, so that takes us back home. Oh no, man. We also have to talk about the set of Tool Time. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. We have no, to, no, no, we have no, no, please. Take us so, through, take so us through it. what Tim explains to Al is that, look, I went to the... I, just per his groin being on fire, he explains, I pulled my groin. Doctor says, I can't lift anything heavy. You're going to have to do all the work today. That's going to be a change to our format. Al goes, I don't know what the change is there, Tim, because... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> ha ha. So they go out on set, are doing their their bit. This Today on Tool Time, it's all about making concrete. Mixing concrete, yeah. yeah. And a wheelbarrow. And so uh, Tim is being a dick to Al, per usual. Yeah. And... Al puts up with it for a little while, and finally, Tim makes one comment too many, I think, about about the quality of Al's mom's cookies. Yeah, and so right. And then, so Al just picks up the bag full of concrete <laughs> and throws it to Tim, and Tim tries to catch it and just gets knocked over backwards. <laughs> uh, and I gotta give it to Tim Allen. He gives a real good uh, performance being hurt, like, climbing up, trying to, like, get his head to back up over yeah. the desk to say, we'll be right back if these messages have been... <laughs> kind of falls. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I also love Richard Carn's delivery of being so <laughs> having so much uh, uh, integrity over his mom's cookies. Where Tim makes he's like um, saying something about how heavy it is. Well, they're, they're, they're like they're mixing concrete, and he's like, yeah. "It reminds me of uh, those cookies you brought in yesterday." And <laughs> Richard Carn Al just kind of stands up, real bold chested, and goes, "My mother made those cookies." <laughs> The way he's yeah, he has this kind of dignified offense that yeah. he's like, My mother made those. <laughs> Do you know what you're saying? <laughs> How dare you make fun of my mother? Sir, I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> Pistols at dawn. 
Oh, the valiant Mr. Borland. Um, this takes the talented us, Mr. Ripley. <laughs> this takes us back home. Yes, uh, where Randy's coming home from uh, uh, play practice. Yeah, play practice rehearsals. Yeah. <laughs> and Tim is sprawled out on the couch watching uh, TV in his hammer pants. Um, <laughs> and uh, Randy's uh, just now finding out that Peter Pan wears tights and elf shoes. And hey, how do you not know this, Randy? How have you not figured this out? I mean, I know I know you haven't got the internet, but you got those Britannicas. Yeah, right. And everyone, I mean, he had to have seen the Disney Peter Pan. I mean... One would think, yeah, yeah. unless Tim, unless the, all they were watching was Bayonet Hell growing up. <laughs> Maybe. That could have been where what desensitized <laughs> Randy and made him go wrong. Um, but Randy's like, they want me to prance. Uh, they don't have the, the resources for a pulley system to make me fly. And, uh, so he has to prance around the stage, yeah. which which is mortifying to Tim. Tim would rather uh, hook his his son up to a homemade pulley system that will have him careening all <laughs> over the school auditorium than run the risk of his boy prancing around the stage yes. in a somewhat effeminate manner. But wh- So Brad's giving him some crap after they go mm-hmm. through this whole prancing and uh, uh, elf shoe uh, jingle bell thing because he's yeah. got little bells on the tips of the shoes. The elf shoe diaries. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, Brad makes a joke, and Randy starts chasing him. And I noticed Randy got tired of chasing. Like usually, he chases Brad completely out of the room. <laughs> this time, Brad makes it out, and Randy's just like kind of gives up halfway and uh, comes back. And he he killed two drifters on his way home from school. <laughs> he was already pretty spent for the day. Yeah, right. Um, it's best if you get him after here, lunch. Here's my question to you. Yeah, do you think Randy manipulated Tim in this scene in order to get him to make the pulley system? Ah. Uh... I think so. If, if the question is, did Randy manipulate Tim? The answer is yes. Uh, I could see. I mean, I could see him wanting to incorporate that into a serial killer repertoire somehow. Like he has this vision of of his slaves will be pulling him on the thing. He can like fly around the room. Well, and right? People. Yeah, it's a whole power thing. I mean, not only is it a power thing over Tim, but being able to fly in a show where no one has been able to fly before, and you are the you know not only the lead role, but you are the you know fly. You're gonna get the the power and the attention of all the audience and your castmates. Yeah. Um, I see it as a power move. I see it as a manipulation. I think uh, it's possible to put this in the psychopathic. I, I think so. And look, and let's also say we might be biased because we have come up with what is basically one of the best theories <laughs> anyone has had. But uh, I still think I still think that this counts. Ever. Yeah. Way better than any JFK yeah. conspiracy. Way better, way better than any scientific theories. I'm talking relativity. I'm talking evolution. <laughs> I'm talking string. Uh, it's, oh, my God. We, we, no, we knocked it out of the park with that theory. Um, everything. Way better than the theory of everything. <laughs> Uh, Jill comes home after uh, Randy scampers off, and uh, great imagery. She's uh, right, Tim goes. He's like, I gotta, I gotta fess up. He, this is his inner monologue. I'm gonna fess up to Jill that I lifted this thing and pulled my groin. Yeah, and Jill comes home like, so he says, you know, about that trunk, and she's like, I'm glad you brought that up. I've been thinking about it all day. Yeah, um, and it turns out that it had, it really turned her on. It yeah. really, really got her gears going. No, nothing, nothing gets your ladies going like picking up a box full of books. <laughs> Um, Get down to the library, nerds, and start lifting. <laughs> and uh, Tim, uh, it made me realize that you know she's getting hot and heavy. We haven't seen them uh, get get physical in a while. They, yeah, I guess we haven't 
see do they yeah they haven't really gotten all that that well no wait read my hips was all about getting getting physical but so i guess for two episodes we haven't seen them get physical yeah that's true i thought um, it was longer it felt longer than it hey than it was yeah they haven't been well i mean so she comes back mm-hmm. so jill comes back and she's talking to tim and you know and he's before he can explain you know she's saying this about how much it turned her on seeing him lift that and she like and also she's saying like hey are, are the boys home or you know she yeah, kind, right. of, kind of acting like she wants that to happen randy comes over and says hey can i go over to tommy's yeah and she's like yes <laughs> get the hell out of here and so so he leaves and she's trying to take tim upstairs and in my head i'm thinking like okay so the comedy bit here is that tim's crotch doesn't work and he needs to use his crotch for this thing they're about to do yeah and I, to be fair, I didn't expect them to go into the bedroom and actually follow this through to its conclusion. <laughs> but I was hoping that humor would be Tim trying to find excuses not to have sex with his wife because yeah. he couldn't. Uh, instead, Jill tries to jump into his arms to have him carry her upstairs, and yeah. he falls over again. Right. Cut the commercial break. Cut immediately back. We don't cut. <laughs> we transition. We transition. Sorry. I'm trying to cover it up for you. I'm t- I can't remember specifically what the transition <laughs> was. My post-traumatic, you know, it deleted it from my yeah. memory. But it, it's not It's not just a simple thing. True. But we cut back uh, directly from the commercial break to the same scene. And Tim uh, essentially starts to blame his groin injury on her jumping into his arms. Well, but yeah, like, and Jill meets him halfway and is saying like, oh, honey, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he says, oh, well, it's not your fault. And she says, what do you mean? I jumped into your arms. And then Tim realizes that he can get out from under having to fess up about yeah, right. the box but of course mark but he is the, lingering in the garage the the stupidest of tim's children is there <laughs> yet again to ruin everything harsh. well i'm sorry how many times is mark confused about basic fundamentals <laughs> of like keeping secrets and telling truths that's fair. he's only seven though yeah I feel like I was a little better at this stuff when I was seven. Okay. I mean, maybe maybe the entire plot of a sitcom didn't revolve around me making these mistakes, so maybe there's less pressure. But yeah, uh, yeah. So Jill goes out to get an ice pack for for Deus uh, Mark Deus X Markina. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes out there to get the ice pack, and and Mark is once again sitting unattended in the garage, playing around on the chassis of the what hot rod. What is he rod. doing on that thing? Uh, I mean, is he like? There, I feel like there's a whole other episode about why is our why is our youngest spending so much time alone in the garage? Yeah. What is he really? Well, we really up haven't to? even seen him this season. He's been pretty uh, absent. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so he's he's like going. He's got like a follow that bird story. <laughs> <laughs> he's out there having imaginary road trips Do with you... his uh, neglectful father. Apparently. <laughs> Do you think that yeah? Do you, do you think that he is actually building the hot rod himself? Like all the all the progress on it is just neglected. Mark like like Brad is off trying to kiss this girl. Randy is off killing people and being in plays. Tim and Jill are having sex, and meanwhile Mark is just there day in Slowly day out building the hot rod covered in covered in oil. Ever since he broke that uh, torque wrench, it's like triggered something in him. He's like. <laughs> well, this is what this is what Tim said to him afterwards. It's like, well, son, I understand. I appreciate you fessing up, but uh, that cost a lot of money, and you know you can't pay me back. So you're going to have to pay me back in free labor. <laughs> that's just uh, that's just what men do. So they lock other men into systems of uh, of of slavery. Yeah, I think uh, Randy would corroborate that. Uh, yeah, and see, this is where we get it. This is where he gets it from. Yeah. It's hereditary. Um, well, actually, I, I do have a note here that so Jill goes into the garage where Mark is and um, kind of uh, coerces 
this uh, confession out of Mark. She doesn't have to coerce that hard. She doesn't. But she does, like, once she sees the the thread from the sweater kind of uh, sitting there, she can't help but pull it. And she pulls a little randiness here. Um <laughs> And manipulate. She she pulled a little randiness just a second ago <laughs> with with Tim. Let's be real. And she but she manipulates Mark to get the uh, the confession out of him. So Jules' main question for Mark is: When did Tim hurt himself? Yeah. I mean, it's basically it's it's basically all the president's men. What did he know, and when did he know it? <laughs> what what did what that's, did Tim's groin know? That's what Mark's been doing. He's been shredding documents for the last three episodes. <laughs> he's got he's got an Enron internship. Every night he goes down in the garage with flashlights and he's just going through the filing cabinets, shredding everything. Yeah, he tapes the lock on the door, but he does it poorly. <laughs> A lot of really deep Watergate jokes here. Uh, so so she gets this information from him and then goes back out to care for Tim some more. Yeah. And it's quick, like how quickly everything kind of reverses because now Tim is on the couch trying to play up the fact that this yeah. is Jill's fault, saying like I'm gonna have to stay on the couch all week. Oh, I'm gonna, yeah, need well, you. Jill, I, I, she starts that moment feeling like she's just gonna prank him and get the truth out of him, mm-hmm. but then Tim puts his foot in his mouth. Yeah, uh, by calling her old, he makes a joke. Uh, no, that it's that that it's that she's heavy. She comes back in and she says, "I'm so sorry about." Hurting you, Tim. I just didn't know I was so much heavier than that crate full of books. Well, that crate full of books didn't give birth to three kids. And, and then the audience goes, oh, <laughs> you get this look on Patricia Richardson's face that's like, oh, we've entered the Thunderdome now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she turned into Tina Turner. All the sparks <laughs> came out of her, like, breastplate. and uh, uh, she, she turned into Master Blaster. <laughs> Mark just hopped on her shoulders. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. Mark is clearly on her team at this point. Uh, oh my god! So she, so she fills a towel with ice and is going over to Tim, saying like, "Oh yeah, you should stay on the couch all week watching football, and I can get you a little bell that you can ring whenever you need my help." And <laughs> I love your chill impression. I just, just a, just a subtle bit of twang to it. Yeah. And then she goes over and uh, uh, dumps all the ice down Tim's yeah. hammer pants. <laughs> And all told, though, he gets off, that's pretty easy, prank-wise, yeah. given the co- comment that he just made about yeah, her weight, right. to, to just get a little bit of ice on your schnats, that's not yeah. that bad. <laughs> um, and that leads into uh, the Wilson scene. Well, it leads into it by way of a cube transition, in which the <laughs> image of Jill turns into <laughs> a, 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 like, it fades backwards into, it ra- wraps around a cube, spinning cube-shaped object that then bounces off of the tailor's back door as you transition into the next scene and flies out the bottom of the frame. <laughs> oh, this segment has been called Welcome to Transition Dome with Truman Caps. I, I, you know what? And the transitions are leaving. Like, me and the transitions <laughs> entered, but only the transitions leave. <laughs> and so we go in the backyard and uh, Tim is uh, talking to Wilson. Yeah. Why don't you take us through this one? Well, he goes out to, yeah, just ask, Wilson, what he can, what he can do. He's out there trying to start building the uh, the the pulley system, yeah. and is talking to Wilson, and is just saying, you know, yeah, I was, uh, I got all self conscious about these books that Jill was reading, so I hurt myself trying to carry this thing outside. Uh, and what Wilson explains is that the reason Tim did that is because he was peacocking. Yeah, well, he he says uh, Tim's like, I'm embarrassed by it, and oh, Wilson's yeah. like, oh, you know what? I think it's kind of noble of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he goes into this whole explanation about peacocking. Yeah, well, it's just that he wants to he wants to show his plumage, mm-hmm. so to speak. He wants to show 
uh, Jill that she made the right choice by choosing him as a mate and yeah. still and, and show that he still has this kind of youthful vitality that he had when they first met 13, I mean 14 years ago <laughs> because Tim repeatedly forgets how long he and Jill have been married. Yeah. And then do we want to talk about Wilson's advice? Wilson gives advice in a problematic way, guys. And it's one of those things where I want to just chalk it up to the 90s being a barbaric time yeah. when, when, you know, when people walked around wearing animal pelts and uh, not respecting other cultures. He quotes in, I'm assuming Cantonese, it might be, uh, it might be Mandarin. I don't yeah, know. some ancient Chinese wisdom to Tim yeah. in in a Chinese language. With a very thick accent. Yeah, like, it's it's bad enough that I'm pretty sure he's just saying, like, Chinese-sounding gibberish. Like, that's its own level of bad. But then that you say it in that Charlie Chan accent. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, from what the producers have said uh, and how much research they've done on the Wilson character, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they actually did a translation and that Earl Hinman, who only has one or two scenes per episode, had enough time to learn the phonetic way of saying these things. One would hope. So uh, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and that it was just more of an Alex Trebek pronunciation, like a correct... <laughs> A pronunciation of something um but uh, you know i'll concede if someone pushes a little harder I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna push you that hard i'm just gonna say it wasn't it was not it wasn't 100 okay the way yeah. that he so he quotes this whole thing in chinese and then he gives the translation to tim which is a great lover is not one who romances a different lover every night it's one who romances the same woman every night for a lifetime oh i know right so in case you were wondering what makes a good lover uh, up yours, James Bond. You should have. <laughs> Too bad your wife is dead. Am I right? Um. So, so he gives him that advice. Now, uh, mm -hmm. to be fair, I'm not. So, is it that Tim is peacocking to show Jill that he's a good lover, and that and Wilson is course correcting Tim on what makes a good lover? Because I'm not sure how the racist Chinese quote catches up to the peacocking idea. Well, it's it all plays to his first thing about it being a noble thing. Oh, okay. That it's like, you know, you it's impressive to Wilson in this scene that Tim, after 14 years, still wants to impress his bride. Yeah. And he finds it noble because of this Chinese quote that mm -hmm. is about, you know, the greatest lover is the one that romances the same person for a lifetime. Okay, okay. Then, okay, then I guess I do understand it. Thank you for explaining what Wilson explained to Tim to me. Uh, am I ever going to see your face behind this fence that you've built across the table we podcast from? No. <laughs> um, so quickly, I turned into a demon there. Yeah. My eye, just like in the old the the horror films where my eyes kind of sink in and my mouth turns into a demon uh, teeth. Yeah, it's like, in, it's like in Lord of the Rings when Bilbo reaches for the yes, thing and exactly. briefly becomes scary. Yeah. Uh, but you couldn't see it because there's a fence in front of my face. Yeah, and also, and you couldn't see it at home because this is a podcast. But <laughs> rest assured, uh, that moment, like this whole bit we've been doing, was top-notch. <laughs> so, do you have anything more in that scene? Uh, no, we... The, the transition out of it... What was that? I, I, I typed weird gas transition. Because well, what it's was just... it apropos of? It was just this weird, like, aura came up out of, like, this like a blue mist. and green yeah. thing just kind of enveloped the screen and it disappeared. I don't know. It's just like the mystical Chinese fog that flies through the screen. <laughs> I don't I don't know. The, this tra I mean, I'm always going to find a way to, to oh. harp on a transition. What? Was it a peacock feather? No, it didn't look like a peacock that feather. We're gonna we're gonna go to the tape. I'm gonna make a gift of this. We're oh. gonna put it out in the world, and we're gonna get an answer. You guys are gonna tell us. I appreciate that he he was almost 
pounding the table, but he knew it would fuck up our audio. So instead, he was cheating. He was pulling each punch. So I still got the same visual effect, but didn't mess with what we're doing. <laughs> Thank you for giving a visual effect to our listeners' earballs. Yeah, ear earballs. Yeah. Earballing with Truman and Landon. Uh, so after the gas transition, we're back in the backyard yeah. where they are testing the harness. Yeah, Tim that, has uh, finished the pulley system. And so he's wearing the whole harness. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Brad is sitting there with his laptop. Psych, I mean a copy of Encyclopedia Britannica, reading about <laughs> Peter Pan and teasing Randy about the fact that Peter Pan is traditionally played by women. Right. And uh, And now Randy doesn't want to play the part anymore because it's a girl's part. But what Tim is saying is about how, oh, well, there's no reason a, a man can't play a part that a woman plays and all this stuff. And you've got to be tough and be a man. And what I thought this was all leading to is that the reason that Peter Pan is played by a woman is because she needs to fly in a harness. And when you have a dick and balls, flying in a harness is very unpleasant. <laughs> so I thought the whole setup for this was just that Tim was going to spend forever talking up how great this harness is going to be. And then it exacerbates the one specific problem he yeah, has. right. Um, but we, we've already seen Tim in a harness and pulley system before, back in uh, Hot Tim on a Satellite. <laughs> hot Tim on a Satellite's roof. <laughs> He's spying on that family of satellites. It's a weird, weird voyeuristic satellite fetish he has. <laughs> oh, Satellite on a Hot Tim's roof. Yes. Um, Probably one of the most graceful titles we've had. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he's already an expert and it probably is the same rigging on set that they used yeah. for this gag again. But so he has the boys down there pulling on the strings and, and hoisting him. Mark is very curious about when the ice cream truck is going to show up. <laughs> yeah, he asks again. Out of nowhere. And again, about when is the ice cream truck coming? Yeah. Uh, all, as though he's setting up for something. <laughs> he, the third time that he asks when is the ice cream truck coming, Tim roars in his face <laughs> to shut up about the ice cream truck, like an like a raging alcoholic father who's about to throw an empty bottle of Jack Daniels. You're not David, the son we had right before you and got rid of you before you were born. Wish we hadn't traded him in. That ice cream truck isn't going to bring your mother back. So Jill is up in the second story window. Yeah, very Romeo and Juliet. I know, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we get some odd camera work to kind of showcase where she is yeah. in relation to them. In this yeah, we we see the facade of the house, which I don't think we've seen. Well, not the full facade, but just yeah. like um, from Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble. I haven't said that in a while. Yeah, I know. Um, um, flashback. <laughs> where uh, we see the the window, the big bay window that they mm. created for the bathroom. Yeah. When Tim uh, busted a hole in the wall. Um, so we got to see the outside of that for once. Yeah. Um, and we haven't really seen the uh, any kind of exterior of the house since um, you'll better watch out. Yes. Where he's putting up the Christmas decorations. Oh yeah, and he gets knocked off the yep. roof. Um, so they, they, so they, the boys yank on the the cords and fly Tim up, and so he's kind of dangling back and forth outside the window, talking to Jill. Very much a repeat of the whole gag from Satellite on a Hot Tim's Roof yes. of just him swinging around and not having control of it, and and quote unquote flying, quote unquote and, flying. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I did quote Bot's job for it for a second there. <laughs> Don't steal my job. <laughs> This, this is how the uprising starts, man. We take we. It used to be that robots were taking our jobs. Now we take the robots' jobs. Robo unions, Skynet. Thank you for talking like I'm not here. <laughs> just if we just ignore him, he'll go away. So they are. So Tim's flying around up there. Yeah. And the guys, uh, the boys are, are holding him up, and he not even apologizes to Jill. He just does the thing. He does what he always does, and says like, "Hey, I was wrong. Wilson explained it to me." 
I don't sleep with enough Chinese women or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And and Jill just keeps saying, no, just come in. No, honey, I forgive you. Just come on in. Just come on in. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm flying. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And then we hear the sound of an ice cream truck and the boys run off and Tim drops out of view. <laughs> yeah, they drop the the, heart, the the pulley rope and Tim just flies out of frame, which almost felt like a digital effect. I know. It, he, he drops. It's like they sped up the film. Yeah, I think, yeah. Because he's... Yeah, because Jill is, like, frozen on that still, so that mm-hmm. if they sped it up, she wouldn't look weird. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I, he was clearly, I mean, at just regular, like, you can see at one point a stagehand helping to yeah, guide him. that was him. so funny. In the lower left-hand corner, uh, just, like, this bright blue <laughs> sleeve comes into frame. Wearing the most inconspicuous clothes <laughs> they could find. So, yeah, and so then our last... I want to bring up the the pulley system. Yeah. What what is he connect? What is the pulley system connected to? How high did he make it? It's like to get to the second story and to be that outward from the house. I mean, he would have had to have built it taller than the house. I my understanding of these pulley systems they use to make actors fly is that they really only work if they're indoors because you have to put like hooks and. Pull and, and levers and pulleys on things. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's like kind of like one of those slingshot things at a county fair where there's like the huge poles going up and just the strings connecting the harness. What if this is like a Truman Show world? Where <laughs> it's, my whole world is a Truman Show world, <laughs> Landon. True. Do you live in a giant dome? But maybe there's like, the sky is a dome? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That's, so Tool Time Tim would have to be in on that in order to know to hang the thing from it i could see tim building a gigantic truman show world for himself like <laughs> wanting to add more power to tool time but then he builds a set so big he can't escape from it oh my god that's real kind of and then it's synecdoche new york <laughs> yes one of the more disappointing philip seymour hoffman movies i've seen <laughs> uh so last scene then yeah after that total burn on synecdoche new york do you feel differently about that do you no. i know you have indie cred okay oh the yeah. synecdoche i've only seen it once i want to give it another shot but uh um I was uh, I was pretty ambivalent about yeah, it. Yeah, the ambivalent describes it. Uh, uh, I only have one note on the scene. Everyone gets home. From this is yeah. Peter Pan. <laughs> one month later. Yeah, I guess <laughs> one month later. Tim now walking with a cane with his arm in a cast. Yeah, because he fell from the pool. He must have like broke his uh, arm, obviously. And yeah, or he the hurt cane. Himself I don't know where the cane. Maybe maybe he repulled his groin. <laughs> uh, they all come in. They just had the performance. It was great. Je- mm. Apparently, Jenny Sadarsky was looking at Brandy that's, flying around. That's my note. He he tries to make Brad jealous, which I thought that was such a strange choice for Randy just to go. I noticed Jenny checking me out, and you know Brad has his little comeback line. He says he wanted uh, she wanted to know where you got your tights, which is a great shutdown. But yeah. still, like Randy choosing to like pick Brad's girlfriend as a a, a point of a, like a power play. Like, he's trying to reassert his dominance over Brad. Um, and it goes back to my, my thought that he wants Brad out of the way so that he could date Jenny Starsky and really get to Robert Durst. Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, I think that you'd be right there. Because, look, why do uh, why do superheroes why – why do superheroes wear a mask? Why does Spider-Man not want to date Mary Jane in the first series of Spider-Man movies that, <laughs> before it got rebooted all those times? Uh, it's because – uh, as soon as you have someone you love in your life, someone you care about, you're that much more val- you're that much more vulnerable to the crazy psychopaths. Uh. So Brad has so many cares about in his life, and that's a new point of vulnerability that Randy is seeking to uh, to exploit yes. in his path to learn from the master criminal Robert Durst. Oh my god, I love this. I love it too. Yeah, Randy I, it's a great is idea. A complete psychopath. Yes, there can be no doubt. How does this? Oh yeah, so Tim. Uh, 
Randy has dropped his hat on the ground. Jill wants to, uh, Jill, Jill's ready to like get it on with the kids in the house, which is a little strange. Get, get it on with Tim in the house while the kids are there watching. No, no, Landon, that's not what it is. He sets them up by height order in the corner of the room. You will watch us. It's like, no, it's like the Blair Witch Project, though. Like, one of them has to face the corner. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, at this point, the kids have to have heard it. Oh, I yeah. mean, with with how, yeah, how they are about it. Yeah. Uh, but, so, she leaves Tim to turn off all the lights, uh, and he notices that Randy has dropped his hat on the ground, and he goes to pick it up. And we get uh, two wooden blocks clinking together to indicate that Tim has thrown his back out when he bends <laughs> over. I didn't even hear that sound. Clink! clink. That's, that's well, what back that was. Like. That was more metalish, but um, yeah, it sounded a lot like metal. <laughs> that's all of my favorite metal albums sound like that. <laughs> that really conceptual Iron Maiden uh, album, <laughs> just a lot of wood block. Clink. <laughs> they don't have any metal. They're just doing it with their mouth, and it's like it's really weird. Yeah, um, and uh, he doesn't get to have sex. Well, you don't know that. Maybe maybe they very, very carefully... I mean, it's been a month. They must yeah. have learned a way. Because these two can't go more than 20 minutes without boink. Kind of. That's very true. Um, and then we go into the outtakes. Well, there were, uh, what's usually the outtakes. This was not an outtake. This was... This was just like a curtain call for a completely different episode. Which I think it was... Um, the episode, I think it was the second episode. Um, oh, uh, rights of wrongs and uh, right, rights and wrongs and past. Yes, exactly. Uh, because Randy's like cakes oh, in dirt. Yeah, he's got the yeah, yeah, yeah. and and yeah, and, and Brad is wearing like a different shirt that he's not yeah. wearing in this one. So it starts out the the you know credit sequence starts out with just a shot of the Taylor House set and and Al you know Richard Carn yeah. comes running. Onto the set to thunderous applause. And at first, and I was telling Landon this, my first thought was, oh, they're showing the fantasy of what Home Improvement would be like if it was actually about Al being married to Jill and living in Tim's house. (laughs) Uh, Alas, no, this is just the curtain call from that episode. So he runs out and there's a shot of the audience clapping. And then Earl Hindman runs through the front door onto the set, holding an ingeniously designed... Tiny like, little fence. Yeah, like a, on like, a stick. <laughs> like a little three-sided fence on a stick that surrounds his face perfectly. Yeah. So he's holding like a geisha fan, yeah. like a modest, you yeah. know. And then on the inside of it was printed uh, the Jehovah's Witness uh, <laughs> information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- which he's reading out loud. <laughs> yeah, because he has to know the competition. It was just weird. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is one of those things we mentioned in the, the, the spectacular that they added um, – uh, for syndication, there were there's like a minute or so missing from every episode, and mm-hmm. it's usually these outtakes. So I have to imagine they just didn't have any outtakes for this one, so they put a curtain call in there for the DVD. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it weird. Yeah, it seems like there's just plenty of cases where there are some episodes where they had a fun thing set up or they right. had some fun extras, and this one was not one of those. You know what? I did find it interesting to see the audience reaction to each of the uh, actors, though, mm-hmm. to see kind of who they liked the most. Yeah. Um, surprisingly... And- they liked him the most. Yeah, <laughs> the the star of the show, the one who comes out last. <laughs> it's almost as if uh, they had someone warming them up and telling them to give a big roar of applause. Almost as though there were signs hanging over the audience <laughs> with instructions written on them for what sorts of noises to make. Yes. And do you know who was missing from that lineup? Who? The one, the only, Pamela Anderson. Oh, yeah, you're right. I feel like she wasn't even on set for the like. I think that she she does her her four seconds yeah. per episode and then just leaves before they're even done taping. Probably yeah. it's just still like it, it's kind of it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I'd like to see more of her. But then again, when she announces tool time this week, again does not care. Yeah, she's no. just. 
I think she was already auditioning for Baywatch at this point. <laughs> it must be. Like, her, yeah. her agent was telling her, like, yeah, there's this inventive new show with boobs on it. You'd be great <laughs> for it. They want you back for callbacks. She's memorizing her, uh, her you know, monologue from Long Day's Journey into Night for her, for her <laughs> third callback audition for oh, Baywatch. Oh, my God. Do you see the jokes that I'm making here about this idea that Baywatch is actually a really acting-intensive show? It is. Do, do you, you know, know the episode of uh, when Sir, uh, Sir Florence of Olivier... Uh, appeared on it was yeah. probably one of my favorite. And he, he looked really great in a speedo. I was, I was <laughs> a man of his age still did it. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, do you have anything else? Uh, I do not have anything else. Okay, well, thanks <laughs> for letting us know <laughs> the show notes for this week's episode. Um, as always, I say this every week. Why don't we just pre-record this part? Yeah, I we, yeah I can just drop this in and save you some time. Uh, we'll be posted on our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. You, you're closing that gap a little more each week. It would be easier if I didn't keep forgetting that I had responsibilities on this show. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it wherever you can. It really helps people find us. Plus, every time you share us, we'll help you carry heavy objects so you don't pull your groin. Yeah, you can't hold me to that one. Um, <laughs> on our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter uh, to get notifications for each new episode. Uh, you can also follow us on all the various social media places, which is at gruntworkpod. Dot. No dots. Com. No, don't throw. Slash <laughs> edu. Apartment six. Oh, my God. Internet California. <laughs> That's a real place that you're sending people to. I- I- Internet California. <laughs> yeah. I, oof. Oh, my God. So I guess with that, we'll uh, uh, see you next week. Yeah. For Grunt Work, I'm Truman Caps. And I'm Landon Solano. And I, we still have to think of a thing to say after we introduce ourselves. Guys, sooner or later, we are going to podcast improve ourselves with a sign-off line. <laughs>